0: You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom.
1: Yes, welcome again for another Physics Ed podcast. Glad to have you again for another chat around STEM. And in this particular case, we are diving right into the diversity and inclusion. You see, H. Puentes does an amazing job through a group called San Diego Squared, a nonprofit focused in increasing diversity in STEM-driven companies through partnerships, programs, and financial support for high school students, college students, and their educators. He's a co-founder and he's the executive director of SD2. And prior to that, he served on the leadership team at Connect, where he founded Connect all at the Jacobs Center, which is the region's first diversity-focused startup accelerator and business resource center. Today, H has raised over $6 million to increase diversity in tech and the life sciences, and you can really tell he has really walked the walk, and uh, you'll know what I mean when we get into this chat. So uh, let's head right on in.
0: This is the Physics Ed Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it, Ben.
1: Oh, mate, I'm really happy for you to be involved, because, uh, hey, I hadn't come across what SD2 does, but once I sort of look underneath the
0: covers a bit, you do a bit. <laughs> you really yeah. Do. yeah, we we, you know, we try to be thoughtful about mm-hmm. how you approach increasing diversity in STEM, at least over here in the US, which uh which has a lot of history to it. Um, people have have done a lot of work in this space, but we can't seem to move the needle in any meaningful way. And so we we really wanted to think about how we could um have a unique approach that really added value that didn't reinvent the wheel. And, and we, you know, when we reflected, we found some some really good opportunities to to really sort of humanize this work a bit and really connect with communities uh, in a way that perhaps isn't normally done.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. And let's be honest, every country has these problems in different yep. shapes or forms. But you're doing something about it. Which I love, <laughs> it's just kind of neat. So, where yeah. did this all come about? Like, I mean, this is, this is not sort of a, a, a quick endeavor. I mean, this takes time.
0: No, you know, and it's it's interesting. I feel like my lived experience has sort of driven me here. Um, you know, briefly, both. You know, my parents are immigrants from Colombia. They were both born in Cali. I was born in New York. I grew up in Texas, uh, country uh, town. Um, uh, family met some real difficult financial circumstances. Uh, was very fortunate to get to university, but my mother laughs that I pulled up to university with a can opener and a towel. I had no, seats. I had no pillowcases. The first day I've ever visited the university was the first day of classes, um, and so um, with some real hard work support and support mentorship, graduated, landed in London for grad school, uh, and then worked in management consulting. So um, traveling like crazy uh, for profit. Uh, ended up at a venture-backed startup out of the Bay, uh, so really got that kind of innovation, entrepreneurship, you know, uh, venture capital kind of um, um, bug. Uh, and then about a decade ago, I transitioned to nonprofit work and really found something that was just spoke to me and spoke to my heart. Um, I'm really fortunate that my wife is a what I I call her a boss. Um, she's a PharmD, a pharmacist, she's also a PhD in oncology cancer research uh, and speaks multiple different languages and does very well. Uh, and what that does is it allows uh, one is obviously allows um, uh, her to hold down the house and lets me do these kind of more community work um, projects. And I think that's really important, especially when you talk about diversity and inclusion. Um, because it allows me the freedom to really have the difficult conversations that I think that we're not having, right? Um, for example, you know, if you enter a company and you see that there's 12 board members that all look the same, um, you know, if you're a newly minted diversity officer, it might be difficult to have that conversation with your CEO and the board members. Yes for fear of some sort of retribution and so what you do is you then focus on unconscious bias training and your hiring practices when the sort of elephant's sitting in there in the room and you're not you don't feel confident enough to have that conversation because you're worried you might have families you might have kids uh, and you need the job frankly uh, and so i feel very very fortunate to be in a position where um, i can really keep it 100 as we say in the us i can be my authentic self and I can ask questions that I think are really important. Um, so before starting SD2, uh, I was at an organization called Connect in town in San Diego. Connect is an accelerator for high-tech and life science companies. It's been around for almost 40 years. Uh, I ran external affairs there. And at Connect, I started a program that I think is pretty cool called Connect All. Uh, and that was really our diversity and inclusion initiative focused on increasing diversity amongst founders, executives, and boards of directors. Um, we took that program from concept to about $4 million in funding in two and a half years to build the region's first diversity-focused startup accelerator, and we brought it into a community that was notoriously underrepresented. Uh, and so that's really where I got my chops in this space and really learning about how do you bridge the gap between some of the conversations that are happening in the more affluent areas or industry heavy areas. And how do you bridge that gap with some of the conversations and what's going on deep in the communities that we're trying to connect with? Um, really proud of that work. Um, it's still rocking to this day. Uh, 60 companies have gone through the accelerator, almost 400 companies have gone through the resource center. Um, and like I said, that's really where I got my, 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 my focus and, and my, my scars to prove it uh, and then um, a few summers ago uh, i was connected with a real just an iconic biotech executive in san diego named bill rastetter who after the george floyd murder was pretty activated and just asking around what can i do um, bill rastetter uh, created a drug um, a therapeutic a cancer therapeutic back in the late 90s called rituximab um, that cancer therapeutic is used in almost 5 million patients. It's done 100 billion in sales since he created it. And then he went on to start and sell and start and grow a number of different companies. And so you can kind of see the, the matchmaking happening right here you have someone like Bill, who has real deep roots and access to an industry that's very difficult to access and you marry that with somebody who has taken these innovative ideas around diversity and inclusion and actually operationalized them, uh, which is very difficult to do, you know, when you move from theory to practice. And so together we founded San Diego squared and, and, you know, it's kind of like all of those steps in my life from, you know, struggling to university, to being involved in for-profit and ventures. So understanding the industry side to having the freedom to work in nonprofit work and really experience you know, how to lead a team, how to lead a big project, establish that project, you know, for longevity. And then it has prepared me, I think, to, for this new role at San Diego Square to try to make impact uh, in a different way, but still addressing diversity in innovation.
1: Yeah, I just love how what you're talking about is true lived experience. Yeah. When you really, really think about it. I mean, the number of times that um, you'll see someone sort of helicoptered in to get t- to deal with a role. As opposed yeah. to actually going in and walking it and talking it and living it and breathing it and hurting through it and all the rest, um, yeah. but now now you're really flying. So, how are you bridging? I mean, ha- yeah, looking through uh, what SD two does. I mean, there's, there's a few things going on. You got scholarships. You got all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah. So, I mean, what is there to discover if people just jump on this high?
0: Yeah, I think um, I think you know we we kind of boil down our our areas of focus to four. So we've got four primary areas that we focus on. Um, backing up, our mission is to increase diversity in STEM-driven companies. I always like to say that I come from kind of the realist view of diversity and inclusion. And what I mean by that is that ultimately, I want to see our economy, particularly the innovation economy, reflect the communities in which they operate in, right? I'm not here to to tell people how to spend their money. I am here to try to get diverse communities paid uh, because I really think that if we can get them into industries that have great career trajectory, that have great pay, um, then you'll start to address the income inequality gap. And if you start to address the income inequality gap, then you can bring the power back into the communities and let them kind of do for it. So I'm not a, uh, uh, I don't, you know, I. We don't teach like values and morality or anything like that. This is really strictly about how do we get this industry that's created more jobs more capital than any other in human history, frankly, to be more reflective of the communities in which they serve and so we've got four areas that we focus on. The first is around community activation. Uh, we learned pretty early on that there's some really incredible organizations doing some great work on the ground already, whether it's at universities, at, at high schools, um, secondary, primary, whatever you would call it, um, but also in the community orgs, right? There's a lot of community organizations doing great STEM work, and they're, they're really working at scale with curriculum and training. Um, but what we found was that their links to industry were often not very strong right uh, the prime example of a teacher right that teacher that's probably underpaid that maybe has you know is, is teaching a science class has you know 30 students 40 students is dealing with the post covid virtual in person and she might she may have or he may have 10 students that are interested in 10 different companies and 10 different careers and that poor teacher might reach out but you know they buy, they don't have the bandwidth to reach out to 10 different companies and even if they did they'd reach into, and maybe they get a manager at that company, and and maybe the manager might really want to connect, but they don't really have the juice within that company to really get the company going, right? This industry, as I said, is very difficult to access, but when Bill and our board that he's assembled reach out to these companies, it hits differently, right? Bill has frankly made a lot of people very, very successful. Our board is responsible for a lot of people being very, very successful. Uh, and so when we reach out to a company, we're able to connect directly to the C-suite level uh, and we're able to activate a company in a way that it just a, an educator uh, wouldn't be able to. And so what we found is that we have a real good role in this community activation where we connect the industry to different teachers or different community orgs or programs uh, where they can be utilized. So an example, um, Deloitte uh, recently reached out to us saying, hey, we've got our big volunteer day and we've got hundreds of Deloitte employees here in San Diego that we want them to do something on their volunteer day. Can you help us? And so we immediately started to reach out to local community orgs and saying, hey, they've got hundreds of volunteers ready to go could you use them and one you know one down in logan heights like of course we run a summer camp it would be great to have them come and teach financial or accounting or mathematics and then another community org that's a college access program is like oh we would love to be able to talk about uh financial you know um uh fi- financial management and how do you deal with loans and that so they're they're putting together an academy for one group and they're going to speak for the summer um, course for another and so you know, obviously the Deloitte's extremely thrilled, right? Because they don't have the bandwidth to go out and know all the community orgs that could utilize their, their human capital. And then of course the community orgs, the teachers, the educators are extremely thrilled because now they can just connect with us and we've got deep relationships that we can help deploy. So that's one area of focus that we do. The second um, is our Squared Fellows Program, um, which is a high school program. Um, so students before they enter the university, we essentially go around the community to identify sort of the best and brightest, diverse, underrepresented high school students. And when we say best and brightest, that doesn't mean GPA. That doesn't mean you gotta be the valedictorian. It could be that a teacher really sees something special in you. It could be that you've got grit because you've had to struggle and work since you were 15, but you've really demonstrated an interest in science and you wanna pursue that. It could be that you've excelled in sports and you've excelled in, in your community by being a community leader, a church leader or something like that. So we really try to redefine what it means to be the best and brightest. Identify those students early we bring them into a rotation based program where each rotation they visit a different type of stem company. And then what we do, which is signature to SD two programs is we fortify each of these students with a year long mentor that meets with them once a month for an entire year. So for you to be a mentor at SD 2 you have to commit for over a year, we really think it's that that mentoring consistently over time that's going to help students really build their confidence build their nuanced understanding of the industry and really, really help to build their social capital, right, which is really critical, uh, especially if you don't have an aunt or an uncle or somebody in your family that's been able to pursue a career in STEM. And then the second two, we've got a squared interns program where we connect paid internship opportunities at STEM companies with college students. Um, uh, underrepresented college students. This has been really massive and, and sort of successful, even though we haven't fully launched it. Um, what essentially what we do is we act as an internal referral for these companies. So um, companies will post an opportunity. They'll say, hey, I need a CSR intern that has an MBA candidate. Um, and then what we do is we're able to build a hyper-local scouting network at the different universities. Uh, and we're able to maintain that in ways that one company just can't do that right and what I mean by hyper local means, instead of just going to the career Center or just deploying on an APP an opportunity or going to the historically black universities. Uh, in, in the U.S., we're able to meet with the Dean of the STEM school, we're able to know who the, the fraternity and sorority chapter presidents are, who the professor of chemistry is at a particular university, and so we've got about 20 to 30 scouts in our network across different campuses in San Diego. So when a, a company needs that MBA candidate, we know who the MBA program directors are at the different campuses. We immediately send the opportunity to them and then they start to send us diverse candidates, right? And then what we do is we then sit, send an email over to the, to the company champion and say, hey, these five candidates have applied through our network. And then what they do, which is the sort of the secret of it, is they then pull that student out of the queue. Right. They send that e- they, they send that resume over with an email to the directly to the hiring manager that says something to the effect of company X is committed to seeing diversity and inclusion in its employment. In that spirit, we've partnered with organizations like San Diego Square to help us identify diverse talent. This candidate comes from that relationship, we ask that you give them a serious consideration. And this is massive when you think that, for example, at just Illumina alone, seven thousand students apply for eighty internship slots. Yeah, right? So the algorithm's going to cut you out, right? Mm-hmm. And so not only now are we able to pull that student out of being one of seven thousand, but now they're going to be one of maybe a few hundred, probably less, and they're going to be highlighted directly to the hiring manager, which is proven to be just a massive value add. And one that, we're solving a big problem for the company because the company doesn't have the bandwidth to build all those relationships on any given campus, much less seven of them. But we can do that because we're taking five internships for one company, five internships for another three here. And for us, the, the economies of scale work. And then we're also helping the universities because they possibly can't have 10 different relationships with 10 different companies. And so now that chemistry professor is loving it because now we send it and they know it's real. They know they're looking for diverse candidates. And because that chemistry professor is right at the sort of the watering hole where all the students are, they're able to help us become that scout similar to like the premier league or the baseball farm system where they go into these communities and they see the, the students playing early they're able to identify them directly through a scouting network and then send them directly to the teams where they then are supported financially through education through training to make sure that they have the best chance of success so we essentially replicate that model but for diverse talent in the stem and then I think the kicker, once again, is each of those students is, is is assigned a year-long mentor so that as they're going through this internship, they're also being supported through somebody that looks like them, shares that lived experience, and is actually practicing professional in STEM. And then the last thing we do is we've got our scholars, STEM scholars, which are, are is our funding arm. So we give out scholarships. Uh, last year, we we gave over 120,000. This year, we're giving almost 200,000 in scholarships. Um, and the, the, the key thing there is scholarships aren't new, right? People have been giving scholarships to underrepresented folks for a long time. Um, when we give a scholarship, we see ourselves as a strategic investor in that student. And so every scholarship, once again, uh, you get a, a year-long mentor. And the idea is to ensure that like we are supporting you. It's not just about the financial capital for us. Right. It's it's important. You can't take away the financial need from underrepresented communities, but it's when you pair that financial need with real human connection and inspiration that you're going to start to really move the needle. So we've got our community activation. We've got our fellows for high, our program for high school students our Squared Interns, which is our scouting network for college students. And then we've got our Squared Scholars, which are college scholarships that come with year-long mentor. And that's essentially SD2 trying to underpin that pipeline from getting people excited about STEM, connecting them through activation, moving to your fellows that are high school students, they hopefully get scholarships that help support them as they're going through college with mentorship, and then they land that paid internship opportunity, which oftentimes then, if they excel there, becomes that, that gateway to full-time employment uh, into a STEM company, and that is the sort of suite of SD2.
1: And what I love about this is that you're actually producing a future network of alumni who are going to know exactly what SD2 does and then right. accelerate it further and further and faster. Actually the whole time when you were describing that, I was looking at over, over your top left-hand shoulder at that logo going SD2. And I was going, well, that could change to CA2, California squared, or it could change to NY2 or frankly, right. any other version that you can shove in that black box there because it's so, it's, it's such a great concept. It's a great model. And yeah. I guess, I guess the question for me right now is this is clearly going to grow. So wh- where's this going?
0: Yeah, I, I think, look, I think Bill, Bill, as, as you can imagine, Bill has built, you know, iconic companies and I've always been a firm believer that scaled problems require scaled solutions. You know, uh, as you mentioned, countries across the world are facing this issue. This is not new. Um, this is not just sort of unique to, to the US, unique to San Diego, unique to California. So um, I think what we're doing right now, we're about a year and a half in. Uh, we're really trying to refine this model, make sure it works, make sure we understand it works, um, refine it, um, make it better. Uh, and then we've definitely got our vision to scale, right? Um, you can imagine LA squared, Boston squared, New York squared, um, Research Triangle Park in, in North Carolina squared, right? Houston squared. Um, and so we you know the, the unique position we're in is that I think with our board, with Bill, we've got a network that's ready to scale. I think we just want to make sure that we're doing this in the right way. And so you can definitely see you know the, the hope and the, the vision is that if we're able to get this model right here, then can we move to LA squared and Boston and the Bay squared? Can we scale it out to a national organization that then is now you're connecting, you know, people from different cities, right? Because you can imagine a paid internship, uh, you know, knows, knows no barriers. And so okay. if we're able to start to connect the dots, um, there's a really nice scalability piece. Uh, and then also, I think if you're able to place a paid intern, then maybe you're able to place a junior engineer. Maybe then you're placed a senior engineer. Then what about an executive or a board member? And so I think ultimately, if you kind of water down what the big vision is, we want San Diego Squared or the Future Squared Foundation to really sort of be the, the, the community where diverse talent is, right? Where people are connecting with each other, supporting one another, and really helping each other, you know, move along that career path into a really sustainable. Wealth generating, intergenerational wealth creating opportunity for underrepresented people that just hasn't been there historically.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. Part of this too is um, you mentioned a few times relationships, you know, hyperlocality, like having um, those connections matter and them not being superficial. So of course, that's going to take up time. But the you've got a prototype.
0: We do, <laughs> we good. do, and I think what you're talking about there is that this is human work. And yep. I think a lot of people forget that it's hand to hand, right? that it's not glamorous. We spent a lot of human like we're not we're not creating anything new. It's just you know and and the interesting piece is we've already connected, you know several students that we've changed trajectory. I'll give an example we 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 placed a a young black man, a, a chemistry major out of CSU San Marcos, a local university here in town. We placed him in a biotech called Tracon Pharmaceutical, which has been super supportive of our work. Um, he's he had the internship. Now he is their latest full time employment employee. And he was so excited uh, last month when we were speaking because he was getting his first bonus. Right? Cool. And so to just think about the trajectory that was changed. He was excellent before SD2. Right. We aren't doing anything other than providing an opportunity for these students to be seen. There's greatness out there in all these communities, but oftentimes that greatness goes without being seen. And so, you know, what the beauty of this work is that um, we, we get to just highlight what's already there. We're not doing anything special. We're doing the human work to really connect these students with these opportunities. And so that they aren't just another number in some sort of algorithm and application pool, but they're actually a student that's, that's excelled, that's overcome a lot of adversity to be where they are and can really, really add value, right? The, Diversity is there's an economic case for it, right? It's not a charity. We're not like a charity thing, even though we're a nonprofit. We're adding value to these companies, and oh, I massively, think, exactly. And I think these companies understand that, and I think that's where the kind of real problem is being solved on the company side and the community side. Oh, mate! Like seriously,
1: like as we record this particular chat, uh, I was listening to the radio on the way into work. It's prior to landing here, and the um. So we're talking about there's a genuine and we know about this, a genuine skills shortage right now so unemployment is at record lows right now in australia and we've got inflation going up etc cetera, etc cetera. so you got companies really need to fill those skills like now yesterday would be nice <laughs> and uh effectively what you're really doing is like yeah increasing diversity but that talent pool is constrained based on the networks based on how much money they're going to throw into marketing etc cetera, etc cetera but going at a grassroots level and tapping into this really deep group of people who know a lot of stuff, but maybe like you're saying, be caught up in the algorithms, this skips that and accelerates them alone.
0: So I really like it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just trying to bring that humanity, right. Ground this work in humanity and, and get away from, you know, I think all the data's out there, right. Yeah. All of the panels have been paneled, right. Everybody is <laughs> yes. all the podcast episodes are out oh, yeah. there. It's like, what does it look like to just reach out into these communities, identify incredible talent and then connect them with op- real opportunities and you're sort of at the tip of the spear right when students are making that jump from university from high school into university right who's holding their hand through that right who's supporting them who's helping them with their letter of recommendation social capital identifying what roles and then once they're through academia who's helping them make that jump from academia into industry right and and what what i found is that oftentimes it's not it's not the smartest student it's not the degree or what you studied it's really that social capital it's that confidence and believing that you belong in stem it's that nuanced understanding of what space you want to work in and those are the things that sd2 is really focused on right it's like bringing that humanity to this work and knowing that like it didn't we didn't get here overnight and so i think we're not going to do it tomorrow right like sd2 is not gonna in the next five years 10 years just completely change we're gonna yeah. start one student at a time you know and change that student's trajectory and then go to the next student and if we can do that with 50 100 students in one city every year then we go to four cities right and then that's 400 students every you know and really just having that long term lens i think is really important and critical to this work so
1: oh totally i mean that's actually something i talked about our students so we see many many students and a lot of people want something more now or hopefully yeah, next week cool. or next
0: year cool.
1: dude you got to take the time you got you got to put Absolutely. in the, you got to put in the effort but um i mean actually that brings up the point i mean so we've got we just do by nature of the beast uh there's people all over the world listening to this particular chat and the um and not all just in schools uh it's quite it's quite re- really interesting and heart uh, warming to know well, we have to listen to this which means undoubtedly there'll be people who are involved in diversity and inclusion in some way shape or form yeah. and some of them might be running nonprofits or wanting to form a non to impact their local community their local town their country or beyond and so I guess I wonder it would if you had to give this some advice just hey you had some sort of like a mini accelerator for yeah. like tops of two minutes <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. where you had to go you know what here's what I've learned and here's what you need to know to start taking steps towards truly making this happen. What would you say to these future leaders?
0: Yeah, I think if you're starting a nonprofit, I think you need to find a sustainable business model. Yeah. And you need to move that model away from a charity normative perspective. Meaning if you're getting your money from the head of the foundation of a company or foundations from an organization, that, that sustainability is really, really difficult if you're just starting out. I think if you can increasingly move the, the, and arm the heads of HR or executive teams to really have a true business case that when they are in the boardroom and they ask, well, why do we, get, why do we give X company or San Diego Squared, in this case, $100,000 a year? Well, what we're doing is we're arming them by saying, hey, let me tell you why. Because we're able to find you two interns a year right? And at two interns a year, and let's just say they make $100,000 a year, or, you know, two employees make a hundred thousand, you're going to need to hire a, a, a headhunter to find those two talented individuals. And you would normally pay a, a recruiting firm 20 to 30% of first year salary, right? So at a hundred grand, we're bringing you 60 grand of value by helping you to identify diverse talent. But not only that, but are you able to identify talent through our work but you're also investing in the future pipeline and the sustainability of your ecosystem, right? And so oftentimes I find people well-intentioned move into the space of nonprofits, but they don't really think clearly about what is the sustainable business model here, right? Because once the, you know, we're two years after George Floyd, right? Thing, once things subside, what's going to ensure that you have the wherewithal and the financial like longevity to keep your work going? Because it is such generational work, you're going to need batteries for the generational work, right? And so really thinking that through, I think is one of the things that I would really recommend. And the, the more it can be a true economic case for your work, the stronger your organization is going to be. Uh, and that's probably, if for people starting, that's going to be the single most important thing that you can do. Is really think about the long term sustainability of your organization.
1: Oh, it makes so sense. And actually, I do see a lot of outreach organizations that rely heavily on uh, funding models alone from government, and they pop in, pop in and out based on politicians' whims.
0: They just right. do, <laughs> and you right. see it. All- it's all- so difficult to <laughs> do that, <laughs> and and you and in that kind of, it undermines the work in and of itself. And so you create organizations that are short sighted. There's a feast or yes. famine on funding. And then you have these sort of battles and people aren't connected. And it sort of disincentivizes ex- precisely the work you need to actually move the needle forward. So,
1: no, perfect. Now, no, let's just go, like, let's go with what your words, the hyper-focused, sort of hyper-local thinking. If I was listening in San Diego, like now, and I needed to get in touch based yeah. on those four pillars that you work on,
0: how do we do that? Yeah, you can go to our website sd2.org. That's sd2, the numeral two. You can see there on the on the on my corner there. Um, uh, you can email us at team at sd2.org or email me directly h at sd2.org. I'm happy to connect with anybody. Um, I always am an open book. I am give all my experiences out freely because I just think that that's important. Um, and the right thing to do so sd2.org you can email me h at sd2.org i'd be happy uh, to connect with anybody that was listening in san diego or beyond because uh, there's things that i can learn too
1: oh H and that's the thing like it is every, it's, it's quite a journey i mean especially for yourself columbia to texas to san diego uk and more <laughs> all yeah. over the place it's, it's really really yeah. cool listening in what you've been doing and uh, look i really want to see this grow I think it's fantastic yeah. and uh, really happy to support what you're doing in our own tiny little way down in this yeah. corner
0: of this world. <laughs> but, oh, uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Ben. And thank you for what you do. Thank you for, for providing the voice for so many people to be able to share and learn and grow. You know, I really think, you know, this idea of building a community, which you are doing uh, is, is super undervalued, but super critical to the work that we're doing. So thank you so much for, for doing this and for the opportunity to come and speak uh, on your podcast.
1: Oh, mate, much appreciation. a pleasure. Have a fantastic evening. I'm going to enjoy my morning. <laughs>
0: there you go. Enjoy. I will do the same. Take care. Take it easy, man. All right. Bye. We hope you've been enjoying the Physics Ed podcast. We love making science make sense. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? If you're outside of Australia, you can connect with us via a virtual excursion. See our website for more.
1: Well, there we go. We just hung out with H. Puentes, who is an amazing person at San Diego Squared. So head on over to their website, sd2.org. You'll find out all about those four pillows that he discussed and, more importantly, how to get involved. So, look, I hope you enjoyed this particular chat. I always love these particular chats. And as usual, we've got more of these coming up. You have been listening to the Physics Ed podcast. You're hanging out with me, Ben Newsom from Physics Education, and I'll catch you another time. <laughs>
0: You've been listening to another Physics Ed podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelt F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S.
1: This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. eon.net.au